0: You look look like you're hiding your identities for security reasons at the moment.
1: (laughs) Honestly, being back in a small team, it just feels like I I was back in the core again.
0: What was it like having to carry all this lot then?
1: I come out of my cabin, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It was pretty horrendous. No, that that was definitely not the limit. I th- and I think the limit could have went a lot higher, but uh, <laughs> I think Brucey and Nutty have the most interesting story I thought was a scalpel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to The Healthy Beast. Today I'm joined by four Royal Marines, two serving, two former, who have just rode 3,000 miles across the Atlantic and are joining me from Barbados, very jealous. Junior, perhaps if we could start with you. Junior McIllany, if I said your name right. Uh,
1: McElhenney. McElhenney,
0: I apologise. So Junior, Junior, uh, we spoke on the phone the other day and you you started telling me about some of the horrors of this six-week journey. So you you must have been quite elated when you set off and you've... You know before any of the pains or anything's kicked in and you didn't know you were even going to be able to make this trip to finally set off from grand canary you must have been must have been quite elated were you
1: for about two hours until the storm kicked in. <laughs> yeah. I literally felt good for about two hours. And then Bruce, she was like, we were all sitting on top because we had people like family come out on the boats just to see us off. And then these other big boats started turning around because you could see that the sea was picking up. I think we'd better go into the cabins now and all clip on. I went into the cabin then for a couple hours the next time i come out i was just i was shell shocked i was shell- it was kind of like shell shop really i come out of my cabin and i was like oh my god i'm gonna die It was pretty horrendous and then just another one about clipping on as well that whole trip we were always clipped on just because it was so so dangerous and you didn't want to be falling overboard
2: at any point
0: so you're either in the cabin or you're outside but you're clipped on
2: no one actually got washed overboard well while they were still attached but it came close to it on the first day. Day one? Yeah, because we had waves. It was pretty bad, like huge waves breaking over the boat. We got, we took a pretty big impact from a wave. And I looked around and it was doing a V-sit between the safety line on the boat and like, it was hanging off the edge of the boat anyway. I'd never seen anything like it or done anything like
1: that before. I just didn't, and I've I've never been in an ocean row, but I didn't know how much of a beating it could take. So I didn't know how much the boat could take. Yeah, it was a bit of a blessing. After the first few days of the boat, taking an absolute beating, built my confidence within the boat. So when we come across more bad weather, I felt confident in that that the boat could handle it. There were times of all sorts of strange things at sea. And just like rogue waves, nearly got capsized a couple of times, but that's
2: probably where I was a little bit fearful.
0: Who's the most experienced rower among you?
2: No, I've done
0: a bit of running in my time. So that's uh, that's David Brucey Bruce. I'm talking to now. But did anyone did anyone get close to breaking point?
2: Not as far as I'm aware. A few people have persistent injuries, which were clearly causing them a lot of pain. But no one seems that close to um, having
0: enough. Oh yeah, the injuries. Junior started telling me about that. Who who was worst injured? Who suffered? Worst out of the it's quite hard to
3: say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're all like pretty much on a cocktail of medication most of the way across, on different different sort of painkillers, different antibiotics. You're picking up infections and cysts, and even your skin starts to eat away at itself, and you develop holes in your bottom. Uh, oh,
0: that was it—the holes in the bottom. Oh, that was the, that was the that was the one. So were you all there, just like your ass is rotting away
3: on the sea? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I heard it the worst. Um, from like after, I think after two weeks, I developed these like craters in my bum. Craters. My this, this is
0: Will talking craters, you say?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what they look like. I think they started off as a rash and then developed into spots and boils. And then they just, because I was sat on sat on the hard seat for 12 hours a day, they just sort of burst or whatever. And then I asked Junior to check it out because it started to hurt. And then he said, oh, you got holes in your bum, mate. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was quite quite painful to towards the end. Um, at the start, I got started taking a course of antibiotics, and they that, that sort of cleared it up. But then um, when that ran out and, and I ran out of dressings to keep it covered up, um, it just got worse again. And then towards the end, it was just absolute agony.
0: Uh, Junior, what was it like having to administer to these injuries? That sounds maybe like the worst side of it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was quite. It was quite nice, really. Um, it was like cleaning my ears. The co- the holes were big enough to get a cotton bud in. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of like cleaning my ears, bum. wheels. Bum. It's pretty gory. Uh, I mean, army. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean-
0: you, you, you military types are not known for being squeamish, but there's got to be a limit, hasn't there? A point where you're like...
1: No, that, that was definitely not the limit. I th- and I think the limit could have went a lot higher. But uh, <laughs> I think Brucey and Nutty have the most interesting story. involves a scalpel. I don't know. If <laughs> Nutty, Nutty, you want to try?
4: <laughs> so, um, Samuel
0: Nutty Edwards, this is now. Yeah? yeah, go on.
4: So Brucey had a bit of a small lump on his, uh, on his backside. And he's like, oh, mate, can you check it out? And I was like, yeah, sure. Pretty big, And um, it was like, it was alright, and then a few hours later it would get bigger, and then the next day it was even bigger, <laughs> was about the size of a, a plum, a really big plum. <laughs> so um, we picked a day, well, you just wanted to get rid of it, didn't you? But it just so happened that it was a calmish day. He was still rocking around a little bit
0: there with the scalpel. Trying to trying to cut open his the cyst on his um his arse. Let's be very careful. But yeah. When you said you picked a day, I was thinking you were like, Oh, you're gonna look forward to it. It's like, oh maybe on Sunday we'll we'll hack into that <laughs> big plum and it's
2: <laughs> what is your perfect Sunday?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll make the trip fly by.
2: Yeah. I preferred it to go sooner rather than later. Yeah, I it's, can it's... imagine.
0: So this is the main source of the injuries, is basically just sitting on a what is it, plastic seat.
1: Wooden seat with a well, wooden seat with. I don't know, it's not very foamy.
3: No, it's similar to like a bike, cream, isn't it? Yeah, similar to a bike seat material, just as a little cushion and then. We use some roll mats and sheepskins to soften it up a bit, but after a few weeks, it's just quite hard to make it. And the the physical effort of rowing,
0: how often are you rowing at a stretch? You're taking turns and...
3: So um, most ocean rowing
1: teams row every every two hours on, two hours off. I think we all come to the decision
2: together. Our our changeovers were one of our um, points where we were losing a lot of time when we weren't rowing. So it seemed a lot more efficient to change the routine to three hours on, three hours off, and the performance didn't really deteriorate too much. By having an extra
0: hour on the okay, so you're doing these three-hour stints and then what, you're going to try and get some kip and...
2: And other jobs around the boat, which need yeah. them.
0: Is there, a lot to, is there a lot to be done as, other than rowing?
2: Depends on the day. Cooking and um, producing fresh water is something which has to be done every day. And, and navigation. And cleaning. Cleaning
1: yourself, cleaning your body, cleaning your injuries. So every... The salt water just trashes trashes your skin if it gets into any cuts or any craters. The salt water dries off it it makes the injury a lot worse. So every time you come off the oars, you need to give yourself a clean. So you can get it depends how many injuries you've got as well, how many cuts and stuff you've got, or if you've got an injury on your bottom, but that could take between ten and twenty minutes straight away as soon as you come off the oars, cleaning your body and sorting out your injuries and taking your medication.
0: What were, your, what were your What was your mood like? You talked about physical injuries. What were your moods like, Willie? Have you, did you kind of manage to keep chirpy through the whole thing?
3: Um, I tried my best. But I think Towards the end, that was the most pain I was in throughout the whole thing. And um, because we were so close to the end, I think when it started to get really bad, we had 300 miles. Left, so the end was sort of in sight. So I was just trying to do everything I can to keep my mind off the pain and just get it finished. Basically. Just,
0: just keep pushing through. Yeah. How, how well did you guys know each other before you set off?
3: Uh, me and Junior have known each other for oh, class, uh, over ten years, know. I think. And then I met Nutty and Brucey through Junior 18 months ago with Bruce. Uh, I've
1: known Nutty for about seven years. And then I met Brucey at Mutual Friends Women, five, like yeah, five years ago. And then, and then obviously I've met, well, not obviously, but me and Will, only, we've worked together and I met Will about
0: 11 years ago. So Junior and Will, you're both former Royal Marines, right? And the other two, Brucey and Nutty, you're still Royal Marines. But Mark Ormrod told me very Clearly, he did a podcast a while back and he said, once a Royal Marine, always a Royal Marine. So you, that's something you st- that stays with you for life. Do, do you feel any difference between two of you serving and two of you former? Does it change kind of how you... Not, not
1: really. It didn't, didn't change it. Honestly, being back in a small team, it just feels like, it felt like I was back in the core again. Just doing something absolutely horrible in the core again, that's how it felt. I was just doing a hard hard bit of graft with my friends in the Marines, that's what well. it felt like I was back in there again. But the only difference now, I don't have to rush back to work and I could probably enjoy myself a bit more. That's probably the only difference really now that i felt felt. During my time on the road, I felt like being back in the core, just working in a small team again.
0: That's probably something that people, non-military people, struggle to understand. So you're in a, you're doing something uncomfortable, and in, in a small team, and you find comfort in that lack of comfort. If you see what I mean? Is that is that what it is? Did you feel that lacking when you weren't?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like just being out of your comfort zone, and then teamwork and problem solving, and you know, all of this. Yeah.
0: Did Did you feel that too, Will? That you it felt like being back. A bit
3: yeah yeah for sure because i haven't had much I haven't really done anything like this since i left the marines and that was about eight years ago now so it was nice to do something challenging with the lads under you know representing the war marines again i had a, a little feeling.
0: i had a little read on your story well and i was wondering could you could you tell us about your injury that led to you leaving the marines and that effect that had on you
3: yeah um well, it happened in 2011 in Afghanistan. I got shot in the arm by a sniper, which snapped my ulnar bone in my arm and severely damaged the median nerve, which helped control my hand, my left hand. Uh, I had a lot of surgery on it. Yeah, the last two years of my career were pretty much spent in and out of hospital and um, rehabilitation and at 4-2 Commando and also at Headley Court. And um, I had some surgery to... It was like a nerve graft, basically, so they took a, a nerve from a different part of my arm and put it on the damaged part, and then it sort of brought more function back to my hand, but not completely, so I've got permanent damage on my hand, basically, which means in the cold weather, it w- almost seizes up completely. I can't, I've can't. i got no dexterity with it, so I can't I can't really use a weapon when it's like that. So I got medically discharged in 2013. Since then, I've been trying to figure out what I want to do with my life because I always had it in my head it was going to be a, a bootneck. For, I didn't plan on leaving
0: so soon. A bootneck, of yeah, Royal true. Marine. Was it so that was a tough blow? We presume, but you stayed in the Royal Marines. You, you presumably had an idea that you were going to be medically discharged before it happened, and then when it happened, was it still a terrible blow? Yeah. It must have been. Well, no, I did actually.
3: I did get. Um, I did go back to work for a brief period um, when I thought it was all right. My hand and everything, but it was after a few months. I was. I was training in the cold weather on the. Uh, doing um, drills on, on weapons and but I could just couldn't do the drills on the on the weapons because of the cold and I hadn't been in the cold since my injury then so I got pulled off the course I was on and basically said oh, something's still wrong with your hand you're going to have to look at it and then I went back into rehab and then I was thinking that's probably not going to be good if this is permanent um, because obviously the Marines need to operate in all weather conditions so at that point I had it in my head I thought yeah this is, if this is going to be permanent then I've already gone through like a year and a half of rehab and that was hard enough. So I don't want to, I was just a bit fed up of it all, really. So I started thinking about what's going to happen if I leave. And yeah, it ended up, I went to a medical board and they, I, I, I probably could have stayed in and, and done a non-soldiering role, but I was only 21 at the time and I've, I've thought, it was, I don't want to spend the next 20 years in the Corps not soldiering because that would just be even worse. So I just thought I'd leave and try and find something else.
0: So you're medically discharged and then, Presumably, this is your, your kind of dreams over. And yeah. at that point, did you feel a bit desperate or?
3: Not desperate, just a bit gutted. Obviously, all, all, all my mates and the lads were going on and doing other cool things, and I, I was just still in this rehab bubble. And then when I left, it was quite difficult because just because of the intensity of what I'd been through, I guess, and the feeling of like not, not being part of that, that family anymore. Being a civvy was quite hard at the start because I didn't find it quite hard to relate to a lot of my mates you know, people that I grew grew up with and my family, and um, because the only people that sort of know what you're going through are other other Marines, and I, I wasn't there anymore, so. And as a young lad, I guess it's quite hard to process that age I, I don't know it's just a bit tough for a few years but.
0: Do you remember a point at which you had you, you felt some kind of hope that you're gonna it's gonna be all right and you're gonna get through it was there something that happened some in your life some way you felt you might be able to see a way
3: through it all? Not necessarily like a single point in my life but um I think just gradually as I got older you know because when you're 21 you're still a child really aren't you like I know you're officially an adult but your brain's not fully developed you haven't obviously I'd experienced a lot but I hadn't experienced, like, life outside of the Marines much as an adult. So I guess as I got more of, like, a more presence of mind and, like, mature way of looking at things and, like, I, I didn't want to feel bad. So I made a conscious effort to try and make myself feel better and make small adjustments in my life that helped, like, eating good and, yeah. like, start exercising again and things like meditation and music music as well. I got into music and started DJing and producing music, which has been like a huge therapy for me, probably one of the biggest. And and you know, after a few years, I did eventually start speaking to a counsellor. Spent 18 months talking to talking to someone about everything, which helped. But that was was the last sort of big decision I made in terms of trying to help myself, because it was probably the hardest one to make. But it was good in the end.
0: Particularly with um, it's, it's good for people, non-military people, to see tough military people having to do something like that, going and. Yeah, saying I need help, I need to talk to someone, and obviously this 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 trip you've done, sorry, all of you you've, is, a, is for the Royal Marines charity, and you you're aiming to raise a hundred thousand, is that right? And you've got quite well on the way. Now, Nutty, are you how's the charity drive going? Are yeah. You still?
4: Yeah, we're still. Um... Still want to fly the flag for the charities, get get as much money as as, as possible. So um, yeah, we've got a few things we want to do when we get back. Some more fundraising for the charity, but yeah, the, it's all about flying the flag for the charity. It's all about doing it for lads that are injured as well.
0: And Royal Marines charity, very important things they're doing because you know lots of lots of current and is it is it for former and current servicemen, just helping people who've got with injuries and mental health problems and so forth stuff like that the charity is mainly involved in. is that right
4: yeah it looks after you your family until until you're very old and when you die really that's that, what more of these charities are for very very good so yeah former serving family everything they're great
0: amazing junior you you were telling me you're halfway there is it, to the hundred grand is that
4: yeah come on,
1: not yeah not too far off not too far off like like nutty was Saturday, then, um, but we can't. We could rush back now, and fr- we wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to throw um, our fundraisers back in the UK right now, uh, just due to COVID. But I think. Once we get back and we can throw a couple more events, we, we actually made quite a bit of money on our fundraisers. So um, when we get back, be able to throw a few more fundraisers and hopefully the COVID restrictions have dropped or eased a little. And then maybe we can carry on. We're going to carry on raising money towards our target anyway when we get back to England. But just hopefully the restrictions ease off a bit so we can throw these fundraisers and tell people about our experience at sea and gain more interest.
0: So oh, are you um? So are you locked down there now in Barbados? Do you have to stay there
1: or? Yeah, there is a there's a lockdown now. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a strict strict curfew as well. Yeah. So what's, what's time? Is seven to no five a.m. till nine p.m. Oh, five a.m. till nine p.m. was the timings when we got to the island when you could you have to be locked in. But now it's um now you can't leave where you're staying and that would be for two weeks. And flights are flights are really expensive at the moment. And I don't think there's money leaving the island. But uh, we've wanted all our, like, all our bodies as well. It's going to take a little while for us to recover. And I think we either spend, we come, we come back to England, spend lockdown back in England, and not leave the house, not be able to fundraise, and quarantine when we get there, or we can um, quarantine here, or isolate, self isolate together for a little bit. And yeah, I think I think after a row, I think this is this is only my personal opinion, but before the row, we spent so much time together, we're pretty much living with each other. And then on the road as well, and we spent a lot of time together on the road in a small space. But the only guys, the only people I really wanted to relax with and chill out with when I got to the island was... These three guys here, and uh, the last two nights was like the first time we actually got to spend any like quality time together and um, decompress a bit and just open up a bit. And I don't know, I've had I've had a great last couple of nights with all you guys. Um, it's been the first time I've been able to relax since we got here. because It's been really busy since we got on the island. We've had we've had media interviews, been taken to other places. We had a, a lot of work to do on the boat, and then uh, we had to get the pair the boat for shipping, and we had to move the boat. And there's still there's still bits and bobs to do out here as well so yeah it's been it's been full on and it's only the last couple of nights that i've been able to actually just sit
0: down and chill out with the lads Brucey, that that Brucey, that thing junior said about about um not mixing so well with other people kind of wanting to be with each other do you think that's partly was that you, one was that your experience too and also do you think it's because other people don't really understand what you've been through they can't kind of relate to your experience is it is that what it is
2: I think the important thing to remember is the whole other time we were living in close confines with each other, we had an end goal in mind, and we're all working towards an end state. And um, this is the first time the four of us have really been together in the last eighteen months, where we haven't got a, any pressing deadlines or any any pressure to achieve anything. So we can finally relax amongst ourselves as well, more than anything.
0: Okay, so you've been so you've been together, but because you've had this constant stress of having to row and work and clean and pick each other's boils, you haven't got to you've got to spend time together, but not enjoy each other's company, is what you're saying. So now you're and looking one, to.
2: another thing that, that should be mentioned is half of the battle of an ocean is getting the boat to the start. Line. It's very different about also getting it to the finish line, but there's there's no one giving it to on a plate. You have to work for every every pound that you get in fundraising to and there's a headache of logistics and it's um difficult at the times as well. Yeah, but like Bruce you saying about the logistics, it's not it's not easy. You don't just
1: pay someone a one off fee and everything's done and you just get yourself to the start line, like Bruce is saying and then this kit, equipment, food training you know all the courses accommodation <laughs> due to covid everything was right down to the last minute of flying out to your Grand canaria everything could have been Everything could have been lost just like that, and I'm I'm pretty sure Sam's some sure shows may you aware already. But originally, we were meant to be rowing in the Pacific, and due to COVID, that was cancelled. And then um, Bruce and Nutty got their heads together with Chris mine and Mick Dawson, and come up with the idea about four months before the row. Would you say about four months before the row? And we're like, right, we're going to do the Atlantic. As an independent crossing, um, which most people have a lot, a lot of time, like a year or two to get everything planned, like all the planning in order, logistics, shipping, everything. Nutty and Brucey worked very hard and come up with the ideas such short notice. And then, and it's like, and then due to COVID as well, we were speaking to MPs and the MPs were like, the lockdown's kicking in tomorrow. We need to leave the country in the next 24 hours. Then it was like a mad dash. The boat wasn't completely finished. We had a bit more work to do on the boat back in England. We had to get the boat shipped ASAP. We had to fly out to Grand Canaria ASAP um, just so we could make this row happen. But then when we got to Grand Canaria, then we needed to live, we needed sort of accommodation there. We were in Grand Canaria for one month before the row even started, um, which wasn't the plan originally. Maybe a couple of weeks before to get get stuff done. Luckily, the Royal Marines have one of the the core yachts out in Grand Canaria. So we should spoke to our fre- friend who was looking after the core Yacht who kindly let us stay on there. Then Bruce, it was you that changed the location of where the boat was going to be shipped, the rowing boat. Oh yeah, for convenience. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, Bruce he changed the port to where our rowing boat was going to get delivered for convenience because we were accommodated on the Royal Marines yacht. So um yeah it was all it was all like yeah it was all it was all up in the air right until we got on the start line. And even then, we were waiting days for a nice weather window, which we just were not getting. So everything was up in the air until we actually set off, wasn't it? Yeah. It could have been stopped at any moment. It could have been cancelled at any moment. So that's quite a stressful thing when you work hard for... How long was it? Over a year, isn't it? It's hard when um, when everyone's working so hard for over a year. And even when you're right near the start line, everything could be dropped or cancelled just like that, with all that hard work being put in. Oh, Junior, you mentioned
0: just there, you mentioned Sam Sheriff, and I wanted to ask you about another charity, because this row is for the Royal Marines charity, the one we mentioned, but we've also been involved with another charity. Sam Sheriff started back in the UK, but it's going worldwide, a charity called Reorg. Now... Reorg uses, well, martial arts principally to for similar kind of things, helping people with their mental and physical issues. And you you also, Junior, you were medically discharged. Maybe you could tell us how, how that happened and how you then got involved with Reorg, if you don't mind.
1: When I first got injured as well, um, I, I boxed. I boxed a lot. I boxed before I joined the Marines. I boxed in the Marines. After getting injured, like losing losing boxing, I did I did try to keep at it. But um, yeah, just due, due to my back injury, I just uh, I can't still probably can't do it now, just due to pain and further injuring myself. Quite a few years later, after being injured, I met Sam. He's spoken to me every time I met up with him. He's spoken to me about jujitsu, and I was kind of I was kind of put, I think I was just putting it off actually. Every time I was like, oh yeah yeah, I'll get we'll definitely do that sometime. And I was always like that. Oh, we'll, we'll, I'll definitely come down and get on the mats with you sometime, and I kept putting it off. And eventually one day, I think, Sam just cornered me and I had no other option but to go down and train with him. And I, it felt amazing. I didn't, think, uh, I didn't think any of the sport would give me the same feeling as boxing. But I think actually it made me feel even better. And yeah, it was, it was great.
0: You, you knew about jiu-jitsu before, but you'd never done it. Is that right?
1: Yeah, like, I, I heard of it. Yeah, bri- briefly throughout my time in the Marines. But it was quite, quite a small sport in the Marines. It's massive now. It's huge now in the marines every unit now is training when i first joined there wasn't too many people training but now i think it's huge and it wasn't really spoken of, but i think it's spoken off a lot do you guys hear about it in the marines a lot now you you guys are still serving it's, yeah yeah i think it, i think it's really well known now throughout the whole of throughout the whole of the marines
0: well i heard apparently sam because sam sheriff who started he was royal marines physical training instructor right and he was the first royal marine to go from white belt to black belt while serving apparently yeah. but But apparently it's the most popular sport in the Marines now. Or maybe that that may have come from Sam. So I don't know if it's, you know, I I think
1: think Sam had a big part to play in that. Yeah, definitely. I think think you are right. I I think you're right. It is the most popular sport in the Marines now. Maybe it was because when I was younger as well, uh, when I I joined it, was very busy with Afghan rotations and stuff. Yeah, so maybe I just didn't hear about it. But I I think it has grown a lot since my time in the Marines and since when I was in the Marines to to now I think it's grown as a sport within the Marines definitely and I think that probably has a lot to do with Sam
0: How long is it now since you first trained with him? I'd like
1: to say like two three years ago maybe and then obviously due to Covid I feel like it's been forever now. I feel like it's been forever since I've been on the mats. And then um, obviously with this row as well, we've just been away for the last few, pre four months as well, leading up to this. But it feels like forever since I've been on there. But probably about two, yeah, two or three years ago.
0: It's so your injury, your injury, it was an IED with you, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, so yeah. it was a back injury that I guess some people, they look at Jiu Jitsu and they think, oh, well, that's really physically demanding. And it is. Yeah. So they can't really understand how, oh, well, here's this therapy. That's, yeah. that's fighting. And I think maybe you could explain how, you know, th- what Sam's message is trying to get across is that anyone can do it. You know, that's yeah. why obviously Mark Autumn first triple amputee from Afghanistan, is a good great ambassador because people think, well, oh, you know, he's lost three of his limbs and he still trains really hard and it's a great example. But for you, you're saying boxing's tough, but do you jiu- you've been okay with your injuries?
1: No, yeah, it's still really tough. And sometimes I do hurt. Sometimes I am really hurt, but it's something I can still do and it's not like boxing where I can say I can, I can just stop someone and say um, yeah excuse me you don't mind if you don't hit me there or whatever in training and then there's just a twisting motion as well really hurts but um, when when I've trained with Sam and a bunch of other friends who are still serving in the Marines and veterans as well they could sort of you can tailor it if I'm hurting in training then we, we could just work on different things which is great yes yeah, so with different injuries we can work on th- different movements and do different things yeah for me it, for me it was completely different from boxing and i don't know if it was like trying to think I'd say like a meditation or whatever i'm constantly sam has always reminded me which i sort of brought forward to the ocean row as well about my breathing and not not to panic not to use my strength but to breathe and think about things and, and to slow things down but when i find myself in a situation where i'm struggling Sam's just like take a deep breath calm down i like, think think about what you're doing yeah i think i brought that forward to the ocean row actually as well
0: so this not panicking, presumably, as a former Royal Marine, you're not the most panicky person anyway, but do you feel jiu-jitsu you know, brought an extra layer of that to you?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I was out, uh, I, you know, still now, when I train now, I'm out of my comfort zone. Yeah, d- definitely. When someone's up, when someone got you around the neck or when you're up or someone's putting pressure on your chest or your stomach, yeah, it's really uncomfortable and it's not natural. Whereas Sam would tell me to relax and think about it. And I'm like, I don't want to relax. Someone's sitting on my chest. And I can't breathe. Like, so I feel like I can't breathe. But um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's de- yeah, definitely, yeah, it's uncomfortable. And it pushes, it pushes me out of my comfort zone again, which is kind of what this road has is, is definitely done for me as well. It definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone.
0: Have you tried to get the others involved? Have you guys done jiu-jitsu yet?
1: I, think I was chatting to Will about it on the way across,
3: and um, we obviously we get a lot of time to talk to each other. I've I've, I've done a little bit before like in Brighton, not with real, just like with the local club. Yeah, it's definitely something I would to do more more
0: in the future. Brucey, what's your what training do you get martial arts wise in the Marines? If it's not jujitsu, is it? I mean, obviously you know weapons and so forth, but unarmed un, unarmed combat is it?
2: Uh, not as much as you'd actually think. i no, I expect I expected to do a lot more before I joined the Marines. You do bits and pieces every now and again, but it's not set in any programme. It's just if there's, it's like troop fizz one morning might be, including some martial arts training.
0: But it's not, it's not something you do hundreds of hours of as a routine in there?
2: No, some, some lads might do it in some troops that I've never been in, but um, I've not experienced that.
0: Because I don't know, most people, Junius, you sound like you might be like this. As soon as you get into jiu-jitsu, you want to tell other people about it and get them into it. I, I know I, I'm always doing it, trying to say. Yeah,
1: de- yeah definitely, definitely, 100%, yeah.
0: Um, and, and you know, no, no good reason not to do it. I mean I guess it's not necessarily for everyone, but you know, it makes people very uncomfortable. But that can be that can be a good thing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's when I feel
1: that's when I feel my best I, again, I was same as Will when I left. I, and even now, still today, don't really know what I'm what I want to do. But then when Bruce Nutty approached me about this ocean rope, was, I just said yes straight away. I was like, Yes, yeah, one hundred percent I'll be there. I'll do that. Just because it makes me feel good when I push myself outside my comfort zone i don't know it's, it's weird it does something to my head does something to my mind my body where when i'm doing something hard i'm out of my comfort zone i feel good even though it's painful at the time as well you still get a good feeling and then afterwards as well i know i can't keep, keep doing hard stuff just to feel good but i, I guess i i guess I, i'm on the right path one day i'll figure figure something out but yeah for the time being um this has been the hardest thing I've done to date, but I can have just rode an ocean with like three of I just feel like I've gone for a row with three of my really good friends. That's what I feel like, but it was it was hard. I was out of my comfort zone and I know we've done that. Yeah,
0: it's an incredible thing. Wait, talk about injuries and mental health. Maybe I will put this to anyone, but I mean nutty, you could try it if you wanted two of you injured, two of you still serving. You you don't none of you look injured. Is it is it sometimes easier when someone, you know, loses a limb or something, people can see, Oh, that person's clearly injured. But then there are lots of people that have got injuries you can't see. And then there are some people also that not only have got injuries you can't see, but they're not physical injuries at all so people who are physically well but they've got mental health issues and i know sam has you know dealt with a lot of those at reorg but maybe for whether you're serving or not serving do you think we're all talking about mental health a lot more with lockdown and everyone being you know come backs to the wall but do you think there's a particular issue in the military that is yet to be
1: well, uh, only from my point of view and from what I've seen, I, I think people are t- more openly talking about it now, but I don't know if that's just because I left the means because when I was I d- I'd done my first tour of Afghanistan when I was like 18, and that, that was definitely an eye opener to me. First day on the ground, I just hit the ground hard, and, uh, and so, yeah, hit the ground running, and it was like, I'm, I don't know, it was a massive eye opener to me. My first day, we are in a massive scrapping with the enemy all day, one of our friends was killed, and Yeah, it was just like, that. I was 18, it was my first day on the ground, I'd never seen anything like this, and then we were like ambushed by the enemy, and I'm just like, God. But then you sort of settle into it, and then when I got back, when I got back to, when I got back to 4-2 Commander, where Brucey and Nutty are now, you don't, you can't, you don't speak to your friends and go, I'm not feeling well, my head, I'm having nightmares or anything, you don't, you don't, you're like, I don't know, for me, it wasn't like a, I didn't see anyone else doing it, so I was like, just keep quiet. But then I started having like nightmares, a lot of nightmares, which I wouldn't remember. And then because you're sleeping in the same room or if we were on ship, when you're on ship, I had about another 10 blokes in the same room. So when I'd wake up having these night terrors, it would start. My friends would start to be more aware of it. One of my friends, actually, Cassidy Little, who we'll work with, he, he got blown he got blown up on period 14 as well, got severely injured. One of my friends, Cass, he was a medic at the time, and he said, Junior, I'm not going to force you to do anything, mate, but this isn't normal. You need to help. You need to get some help. I was like, okay. So um, I went to the med centre and started seeing a psychiatrist, yeah, mental health nurse, whatever it was, and, and, it, and it, was, it was okay. I didn't really feel like I was getting anything from it at the time because I didn't feel like I was ready to talk about anything myself. Uh, yeah, and then before I knew it, Afghan was coming up again. There was like another tour of Afghan coming up. But I knew if anyone at four two knew I was engaging with this treatment, that I could potentially be undeployable. So at the time I stopped going to these appointments, which were outside of my camp anyway. So if I stopped going, no one would really hopefully not kick up on it, which no one did really. And I deployed to Afghanistan again. And then not obviously, but a few months into that tour and I got injured. And then when I come back, stop, like everything kicked me even harder. Uh, all my nightmares and then i had like other emotions like uh guilt guilt was like a massive massive thing and then i yeah and then i and then uh, then i didn't think nothing nothing was bothering me about being blown up nothing bothered me about that all all the stuff in my head was still from my first talk from when i was a lot younger i think that's why it affected me more because i was younger so then i started re-engaging in treatment again and then it was only, it was only in recent, like I think it was probably within the last year that I actually, like being blown up, I, I realised that that actually had an effect on me as well. I've only just like, in the last year, I was like, fuck oh, that, that's, oh, sorry for my language, I was like, yeah, that's actually had an effect on me as well. But I didn't even realise that till recently. So yeah.
0: So you're having some trauma, suffering some effects of trauma before the injury and then more after?
1: Yes, yeah, so from my first tour, I thought it was all from my first tour and it was only recently that, I started like in the last year or so that I was like, oh God, that's actually, uh, that's actually had an effect on, and I didn't think it did, but I think, yeah, it it definitely has. So I had stuff from that. But then treatment since I've left has not been great because the time is limited with the the NHS. So I had a few appointments with the NHS, but you're only allowed so many sessions before you need to, what you call it, like reapply or go to your doctor and ask Mm. for a session. And after that, I was just like, no, that's not very good. Yeah, I went to a charity called Combat Stress because they obviously do a lot of help for a lot of people, but there was a year long waiting list for them as well. And I just thought going and get any sort of treatment, I had to wait a year. So, yeah, I didn't do anything with them. So, like, my treatment now being with my friends as much as possible, talking, we got a lot of talking done on the rowing boat, that was for sure. Yeah, and doing things like this. I like, previously invited me on this with Nutty and then just push myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah.
0: Sorry to interrupt. It's interesting what you said about you, you went to see a counsellor when you were still serving, but then you were worried how, how this would look if your if your colleagues found out. Is that any of the rest of you want to speculate on whether when you're serving now, whether... People would feel able to go and talk to someone, or, or would they feel like Junior did that it's going to jeopardize their career, you know, jeopardize how their colleagues see them? And-
1: I'm not saying it is the same because a lot of, there's a lot of amazing people doing amazing things in the court. One of my friends, Mo Morris, and then you've got Sam with, um, with Reorg as well. And I think it's openly more talk about potentially, but as a young, as a young Marine, this is again, this is only my point of view. At a unit, when when you're at your commando unit, I feel like I felt like just myself, my personal opinion, that I always had to have this hard exterior. That I couldn't sh- I couldn't tell anyone that I was struggling. I couldn't, even though some people would know from my night terrors or whatever, and I couldn't show anyone that I was physically struggling. You're always trying to, yeah. You, but even though, even though if I did turn around to my friends and say that oh, I'm having a hard time, this is hurting, or I'm having trouble. Troubles with my sleep. I'm having these flashbacks, whatever. But I did turn around to any of my friends, which at the time, as a younger marine, I would have thought was weakness. But I did turn around to any one of my friends. I know they would have had my back and they would have listened to me. But at the time, in my own head, I just had to. I had to. I couldn't show any signs of weakness. I guess that might be
0: quite a common thing because, you know, then there might be some conflict in how we deal with mental health issues in that, you know, you want, on the one hand, you want soldiers to be tough and no nonsense and just get on with things. But on the other hand, if there are problems, they, you, you want them to be able to be addressed.
1: I don't know if Bruce and Nutty would know more about that. They're still serving. But again, I, I guess you only know about this kind of stuff if you're actually needing that kind of help. Well, lads, lads can get
4: help if they need it. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the main thing. Yeah.
0: They can they can get help if they need it? Yeah, definitely. Do you think Nutty's still serving? Do you think it's something that serving Marines would talk about? You know, like, I'm struggling mentally, No.
4: Yeah, between each other, yeah, definitely. Like Junior said, between each other, if you if you want to chat about something, you definitely can. But maybe going off and finding something, I, I don't know if people
2: would do that really. But yeah, definitely chat amongst each other. Always chat amongst each other. Bloods, harbour injuries like, niggling injuries. So, and then they'll still go on troop runs and do troop fees and stuff, and then injuries will get much worse. They're not, lads one's really to come forward with much if they can help it.
0: So he's saying they don't, they don't come forward with much if they can help it? Because they just tough, tough it out and get on with it?
1: Exactly, yeah. That, and Bruce is talking about physical injuries there as well, but I think you could bring the same across, only from my opinion, you could bring the same across probably for mental health injury, or, like, mental health as well. Um, like Bruce is saying now, if someone's got, busted their ankle and they've got to go on a run they're still going to go on that run because like yeah you're not you just keep on going but like Bruce you said then you can be making that injury worse and I feel some people may do that with their mental health as well because maybe if you had treatment at the right time maybe you'd be better but then when when lads are doing back to back operations and not getting any help Maybe they're making that injury a little bit worse, or that, their mental health a little bit worse. I appreciate you hit the nail on the head. But lads, but lads probably are the um, worst enemy at times. Lads will keep push ourselves to the limit, even if they know they need help, they will still keep on going and going. Well,
0: I guess, like, you, I guess, as, as marines, you you like the toughness of the culture, you know. I guess you 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 appreciate the culture of the
1: marines for what it is. So you, yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a club worthwhile being a member of if it wasn't tough or hard.
0: What, what is uh, what is particularly special for people that don't know about the Royal Marines? What what makes it not just another part of the armed forces?
2: Uh, I'm sure there are s- several other parts of the armed forces which share all the aspects which make the Royal Marines special. The camaraderie through shared hardship, I think, is what builds the special relationship between Marines.
0: Special relationship. Uh, any of the others, what particularly Royal Marines, I mean, yeah, you don't have to say anything bad about any other branches of the military, but... Will, anything you think particularly special about the Royal Marines? I think
1: there's t- training as well, and that everyone, like the, the Army can be parts of different regiments, different companies, different SQs, and in the Marines you can go off to do different things. But everyone in the Royal Marines has gone through that basic training nine months long to earn their greenberry, and everyone has done that. Ev- everyone, there's no other way around that. There's no difference in the training. Everyone has done that and earned their greenberry, and, and you've earned that for life. And that's yours for life. And no one can take that away from you.
0: And that's why it's once a Royal Marine, always a Royal Marine, right?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, fantastic. Internet's held up reasonably well. And it's you, you boys have done amazing work. And I wish you the best of luck with your continuing money raising. So just if people want to give money, what are the best places to go? On, on Instagram, you are RM...
3: underscore cockleshell underscore Atlantic.
0: RM underscore cockleshell Atlantic underscore Atlantic. And you have a website where people can donate as well? So, uh, yeah,
1: on, on our on our Instagram page, we also have a link that you can click to our GoFundMe. Yeah, it's in the bio. And we have a Facebook as well, but I'd definitely say our Instagram as well have been gaining a lot more traction.
0: And I think well, if you, in fact, if you search Cockleshell... On Instagram, it comes up, but it's RM underscore Cockleshire, underscore Atlantic. Fantastic. Junior, Brucey, Will, and Nutty. Anything else?
4: You- yeah, can I just say um, a big thank you to all our sponsors and our capital sponsor, Marcus Bree at Brie Visualisations, an architecture company.
0: Say the name one more time.
4: Uh, Marcus Bree at Brie Visualisations. Yeah, uh, of course. All- everyone everyone that helped and donated towards it and we couldn't have done it without you so thank you
1: very
0: much from all of us yeah amazing well second that and best of luck with the fundraising and the trip back and enjoy your the time you have left in Barbados thanks a lot all the best Bye. Bye. bye 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 thanks again to Junior Brucey Will and Nutty if you want to give money to support their amazing row across the Atlantic Go to Instagram, look up RM, as in Royal Marines, underscore cockleshell underscore Atlantic. RM underscore cockleshell underscore Atlantic. If you just put in cockleshell in search in Instagram, you'll get there. And there is a link in the bio to a place where you can give money. The charities we mentioned are the Royal Marines Charity. That's the RM, Therm Charity, T-H-E-R-M Charity on Instagram reorg which is the charity using jujitsu and other martial arts to help service men and women with their physical and mental health challenges reorg is reorg charity on instagram reorg charity also got its new website at reorg charity.com healthy beast is at healthy beast podcast on instagram and healthy beast on our almost new website thanks very much for listening